0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid.
1: This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet,
0: at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me.
1: Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. (laughs) Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath and I am a three-year carnivore and I'm joined by my amazing friend and author of The Carnivore Cure, Judy Cho, uh, Nutrition with Judy. And we are super excited to do this episode. Um, You know, Judy and I get asked on a regular basis, what is the carnivore diet? Like, how do I get started? Do you really not eat vegetables? Like what, what is this exactly? And so as we're approaching the new year where a lot of people are setting goals, we wanted to give a really, um, kind of a cliff notes version. If you haven't heard anything about it, where can you start? What exactly are you supposed to do? We want to talk really about the who, what, when, where, why, how of the carnivore diet in general, um, so Judy, if you had to give somebody like an elevator pitch, you know, you're, I sat on the plane with somebody next to somebody yesterday and they saw the stakes on the background of my phone and they're like, why do you have steaks on the background of your phone? Like if somebody, you know, really quickly said, what is a carnivore diet? And you had to explain it to them. What would you say? I think the short
0: answer and the easiest feasible response would be it's an elimination diet where if you have any type of health symptoms, if you have any type of imbalances, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, and you just want to get a little better, uh, the best way to try that is by eating a meat-only carnivore diet and temporarily, if you choose, so that you can see where you are being affected by food. And the reason why we pick meat out of all things is even if your digestion isn't working as well, if there's any organ systems that aren't working as well, meat is truly the most bioavailable and nutrient-dense food, meaning that every single nutrient compared to, let's say, plant foods don't really need to be broken down and, and converted, but just can be chewed and absorbed in the gut And then the nutrients, there's just a good balance of so many nutrients that are essential or needed for our bodies to thrive. And so, a carnivore diet or a meat only diet is where you focus your foods on and your meals on just the animal based foods. And the more you focus on like muscle meats and less processed meat versions, the I guess maybe the fastest you can heal and you can experience changes in your symptoms. And if you're really hungry for a change, um, this diet is probably for you.
1: No, that's good. That's, I love that answer because it incorporates so much of the healing. Um, and it's, I think it's so different than what I would have said, which is awesome. And that's kind of why I think you and I like to collaborate so much um, because my, you know, I would have probably just said like, it's a meat only diet that has helped me lose weight um, and kind of attack some of my sugar cravings where mm-hmm. I realized along the way that things like sugar and carbs were causing inflammation for me um, and a lot of health issues. And so with you know a meat diet, meat only diet, I don't get as hungry. So that helps me with some fasting. And then it also helped me address um, things like my weight and um, other health issues like prediabetes and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I love to see the, the two different perspectives. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's it really gives people like, a, a deeper understanding of it where, you know, it's not a quick weight loss diet, but it can be used for that. Right. And it's not right. a, it can be used for diabetes reversal, um, autoimmune issues. I usually people then say like, you don't eat any vegetables. And I say, if you want to, you can, you know, but if you're having any health issues, autoimmune issues, there's actually a lot of toxins in plants that can cause those things, and so a lot of people find that they feel better and um, have less health issues when they take those plants out of their diet. And those are things you know that like I've learned from reading all your content over the years. The
0: reason why I say it's like temporary or it's an elimination diet is because people get really scared off when you say meat only. Yeah. And I think that if you say, "Hey, it's just temporary," you're just doing this elimination diet so that you can heal. My hope, deep down, is that once they feel really good, I mean, feeling healthy, feels good. And if you feel healthy enough, now you know how good you felt. And then when you start incorporating other things, you'll remember how good you feel. And then now through your own experience, you can say, actually, I probably don't want to eat a lot of sugar. I don't want to eat a lot of plants because I don't feel as good as when I did that elimination diet. It's just a different way or approach to bring it up but that's ideally um just saying it's hey it's temporary just find a new balance for you and that balance can right. be in terms of weight it could be in terms of inflammation disease anything that people are struggling with even mental health and then it's finding that new normal and then you can start reintroducing things if you so choose and if you feel better still with those introductions yeah yeah
1: and you know what i think a lot of people most people that i've seen in the time that i've been in this community end up somewhere around that like 90% carnivore long-term where they're having coffee, they have a vegetable or two that they like. Some people can incorporate some fruit while others can't. Um, You know, We do have that podcast episode where we went like, should you go super strict all in from the beginning or should you take a more gradual approach? Um, And so if you're not really sure how to start, that would be a good episode to go back and listen to. But I think most people from what I've seen do end up around 90% carnivore, but until you've spent a time being a hundred percent strict, you don't know where the 90% is. That's helpful for you. Like I know I can't incorporate fruit as part of my 90% because of the fact that it would cause sugar cravings. It would cause me to overeat. It would really cause me a a lot of other issues. Um, When somebody else can have a handful of berries and some cream occasionally, and it's no big deal for them. So I didn't realize that until I went all the way strict. Um, right. And so that's, that's kind of where I found, you know, what I'm able to incorporate and what I can't.
0: Yeah. And I agree with that. I think that people should go zero carb or meat only. Um, and so just stick to meats and a variety of meats. Don't worry about the organ meats. I don't think it's necessary. Just, you have to eat the meats you enjoy otherwise you can't do this and you can't do it long term you can't even do it for a temporary month because in a world of a month if you are eating foods you don't enjoy that's a very very long time and so you have to eat the meats you enjoy and don't worry too much about these other nuances but i highly suggest it's just most ideal to do a complete meat only version so that you can figure out what is my new baseline? How good can I feel with just a cleaner diet? And then from there, over time, you can say, okay, let's test some berries. Let's test some veggies. But if you never remove that one, you'll never know how it feels to be kind of sugar-free. So that's one. And then that little bit of the little hits of sugar or dopamine or the fruits may always have you craving for more. And then you'll sort of feel miserable during the whole process of trying to eat meat based. And so I'd suggest going meat only doubling down and then figuring out from there, if you want to continue to eat meat only or get to 90%, but you have to put in the work first.
1: So let's talk about that. Somebody's saying, I want to go carnivore. I'm committed. I'm ready to go. I'm going to do this, you know, January's world carnivore month. So a lot of people commit to that for January, um, or picking a, a period of time like that, where there's a lot of encouragement. So that's it. What am I supposed to eat? Really basic question where some of us, it, it feels easy, but sometimes it's, it's really overwhelming to think about like, what exactly am I supposed to eat? So from a nutritional therapy practitioners who wrote a book on carnivores perspective, what should someone eat on a carnivore diet? Like the first week when you're trying to reduce
0: all carbohydrates, it will be a huge transition. I think you should focus on the meats you enjoy. So if that means it's a little bit of deli meat, a little bit of hot dogs, then definitely eat those, but making sure that you eat enough and It is ideal to eat more fat, but the thing is most people can't tolerate that fat. So you may want to just start slow. So maybe you start with like a New York strip for a meal. And then over time, if you know you could tolerate it with your digestion, then maybe you increase to a ribeye. And then over time you can increase um, and add ribeye with a little bit of butter. But I'd say the first week or two, just eat the meat you enjoy. Don't worry about doing this. I'm also going to do intermittent fasting. I'm also going to start going to the gym. I think these are all a little too lofty. Let's make it really realistic. Eating a meat only diet is as hard as it is already. So the first couple of weeks I'd suggest eating any meat you enjoy so that you get assimilated, that your blood sugar gets regulated, that you start producing ketones and, um, and try to stick to more, um, unprocessed, meats and I do suggest eating the rainbow of meats because every uh, meat has a little bit of a different profile and you want to just get a variety.
1: And that's it. There's so many people think you're kind of stuck eating ground beef all the time, but there's so many first of all there's a lot of animals you can eat and there's a lot of different parts of the animals and they all taste so different. The New York strip and the ribeye and the ground beef and the, you know, the chuck roast and a uh sirloin tips like those are all beef but they all taste very different and have a lot of Different textures. Um, And so, you know, really breaking it down to like if you're making your shopping list, it's like beef, pork, chicken, (laughs) turkey, uh, hot dogs, uh, deli meat, if necessary, cheese is a lot of people do really well. Fish. Oh, yeah, that's good. So, fish, shrimp, uh, eggs is also another one that's not mentioned there. You could do this for several weeks and eat something different for every meal. Uh, Bacon is an excellent one. So, you know, if if you're very first starting out and you're like, what am I supposed to eat? Like you can eat meat for breakfast. um, But if you're having breakfast, you could have bacon and eggs, uh, have some burger patties and um, chicken for lunch and have a steak for dinner, have pork tenderloin. There's, you know, there's on the scale of affordable meats of accessible meats, you know, go to your local grocery store, buy what's on sale and find a good way to cook that. So there's, there's just so many different options. Um, i you know, I think sometimes the longer you do this, the more you find you just like to eat steaks every day and you kind of make adjustments in your life to make sure that you're able to do that. My family's been incorporating a lot more pork lately because of meat prices are higher and, you know, beef prices are higher. Um, but I agree with you, like having a variety of meats. I know I feel best when I like if I'm getting cravings or I'm having a tough time, I like s- uh, zero back in on that, like ribeye. And then I feel pretty awesome, but I do enjoy lately. I've been having so much fun actually doing more recipes. You know, we mm-hmm. made some like poor man's burn ends recently. And I took these pork nuggets and I put them in the air fryer and made like, you know, pork, just like a little pork chicken nuggets or whatever. Um, but it, it, I mean, I've spent a long time. You don't have to just eat a steak every day. There's actually so much variety that you can do, uh, especially when you incorporate, um, eggs and uh, other things that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, and so that's where I think you have to really know yourself. So if you like recipes and you like to make a variety of things, um, there are so many recipes out there that are carnivore esque. I mean, there's one on my website. If you just put in your email address, you can get um, some that were provided by the community during Carnivore 75 Hard, and they there's a recipe to make like carnivore bread, and I think it's just using eggs. Um, if you want to do that, and that's just how you function, and you know that's how having that level of variety will help you be successful, then stick to those things. I'm a lot more simple, and so I just like to eat meat, uh, beef, or I'll have just chicken, or I'll have some shrimp or salmon. And so for me, it's just I don't need all of that, um, the I guess, the bells and whistles. So you just have to figure out where you are and then plan. So I think one thing is eat a variety of meats, eat what you enjoy, and based on your economics, but then also just plan ahead. So I would recommend going to the market, maybe figuring out in a week in advance, and then shopping for those meats uh, prior to going so that you always have enough meats and that you have meats that you could quickly heat up. Um, How do you do it, Laura? Do you guys go shopping once a week? How do you do that?
1: You know, Chris actually does most of our meat shopping because he's a stay-at-home dad, and so he he actually joked this morning. He's like, "There's no meat out of the freezer for you for lunch today, <laughs> dude." He's like, "You know, I swear you would never eat anything if I didn't warn you ahead of time to take something out of the freezer." And so, I went this morning. We do have a lot of meat in the freezer, but you know, I've been on a trip for a few days. I came home. I opened the fridge, and Chris was like, "Oh, I got those hot dogs for you that you like so much—the all-beef hot dogs that uh, they're like these brisket hot dogs I've been eating." Mm-hmm. So he knows I need something quick that I can grab. And so I keep something like that on hand where if I get spacey and I don't set meat out, like I prefer a ribeye. I'm having a ribeye for lunch today, but there's emergency food there. You know, there is right. frozen burger patties that you could cook on a grill or a skillet in just a couple of minutes. Um, and there is hot dogs that I could throw into the air fryer or even in the microwave. That would be great for me. I have, we have eggs on hand and we have bacon on hand. So I'm never going to be in a situation where I'm like hungry. I want to grab something and there's only frozen meat available. Now I would prefer to set something out the day before or the morning of and have a steak, but at least I'm not getting into a situation where I have nothing. And then I, um, end up grabbing something that I'm not proud of or that's not going to help me hit my goals. And so, um, we tend to kind of do a big stock up once a month and put a bunch of meat in the freezer and then we'll go to the grocery store. We have a lot of grocery stores close to us. And so we, you know, utilize what's in the freezer, but then we also kind of go to the grocery store a couple of times a week to look for things that are on sale or if we wanted something fresh.
0: Yeah. And for us, um, I like to cook on Sundays and then I will make a lot of Foods that are easily um, grabbable for lunches for the kids for the week. And so I will boil a lot of hard boiled eggs. And then we'll have like beef patties and cheese. But ideally, if especially if you're coming to this for weight loss, you may not want to eat too much cheese because that is the easy way that people gain weight. And it's a food, especially for me, the first year I did this, I leaned on cheese for my cravings a lot. Yeah, I would just eat blocks of cheese because I really wanted the sugar and it had that type of dopamine kick that, um, that crave ability. And so I would just sit there eating eight ounces of cheese. And so I yeah. don't recommend that either. I think focus on the meat first, if you need something quick, grab and go, you may just want to have some bacon that's already cooked. um, Some beef patties that are just in sitting in the fridge.
1: Yeah. You can for cook a scrambled egg or fried egg, or my mom actually puts eggs like raw eggs in a bowl and then put in a, like a glass bowl and then puts it in the microwave oh, and okay. you can cook eggs when she's at work. So she, that's her, oh. one of her go-tos um, as well, is just to k- kind of whip them up and make scrambled eggs in the microwave. So I, my tip with cheese, I figured out over the years, like, I've tried to cut out cheese before and from a digestive and health perspective, some people have to do that. I just can't. And I, I get too like obsessive about it when I try right. to cut it out hundred percent. And so my general rule with cheese is that I will eat it with my meal as a part of my food and like my, my meals. However, I will, won't have it as a snack uh, between, cause that's where I do get into trouble as well. And so if I'm eating bowl of ground beef with taco seasoning and some cheese on top and sour cream, like great, but I'm not just going to go grab a bunch of slices out of the fridge at two in the afternoon for, for no reason. Um, Same thing. If I put cheese on burger patties, great. No problem there for me, but I just need to make sure that it's not like nine o'clock at night and I'm watching TV and then I start eating cheese. So, you know kind of with everything, we have to figure out what works for you. But there are really so many options. And yes, no vegetables. Um, right. Vegetables, for me, cause digestive issues. They cause inflammation. For a lot of people, they can cause autoimmune flare-ups. They can cause arthritis flare-ups, inflammation. Um, again, a lot of digestive issues. And so with all of that said, you know most people do well cutting them out um, to then be able to see exactly which ones react to them.
0: Yeah, if you're thinking of this way of eating as an elimination diet and it's temporary, don't worry about your microbiome or the fiber or all the other things that we are touted that vegetables are so good for you. In Carnivore Cure, I talk about a lot of those things. but. The best way to really think about the vegetables is just a simplistic way is that, you know, animals can run from us and so they don't need to store toxins to protect themselves. Well, plants can't do that. They are buried in the ground and then they grow and then they harvest. So we understand that plants have to protect their offspring. And one way they're going to do that is they're going to have those toxins within themselves. And that's why we know even from eons ago that, certain berries that people ate, they would die. And certain berries were safe. And just because you don't die doesn't mean that it's necessarily good for you. And so if you think of that logic, um, and we are starting to understand that there's gluten issues and sensitivities to that, well, that is an anti-nutrient. And there are so many anti-nutrients in every single plant food. That doesn't mean that we don't have the immune system to tolerate it, but we may have just been eating less than ideal foods that have caused our gut to get really inflamed really damaged and now we're living in a brain fog and we have upset Mm -hmm. stomach we're always gassy and bloated and those are not normal they are common but they are not normal and so if you remove plants then you are removing a lot of the possible culprits that are making you feel unwell your body no longer has to fight that. And the immune system can work on fixing other things in the body. When you're just fueling your body with meat, the body's like, oh, I don't have to protect you from lectins or gluten or oxalates or other types of anti-nutrients. And so I can have the immune system work on other parts of the body. And so that is what we're trying to do. We are trying to say to the immune system, fix the other things. And instead I will give you the nourishment to help you be a stronger immune system. And that essentially is why we are removing the plants. And on top of that, even if you get the most cleanest organic versions, they use so many pesticides and herbicides, some herbicides, some pesticides. It helps the plant dry faster so that it can be at the grocery store faster. And if you understand these things, a lot of this stuff they use, even if it's organic is toxic to us. And so again, it just goes back to if you eat meat based or meat only, you can do a lot of healing and cut out a lot of that noise in the body. And then you can have a restart and figure out where's my health baseline. And then from there, if you wanna add plants, you can, but in the beginning, yes, no plants.
1: Yeah, and from a cost perspective, when you're not buying all the vegetables, when you're not buying all the desserts, all the snacks, all the keto treats, you know, you um or all the processed foods, you actually find that you're not eating as often and so you know, they're really I don't know too many people who have said that I went carnivore and it was too expensive I couldn't keep it up unless they were trying to purchase meat through like a grass-fed finished yeah. organic blah 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 source and I think most of us recommend not doing that. Well, actually that's opposite. Most people some people recommend doing that and I- I disagree with them on that. So you know, we just talked about plants and removing most
0: of the plants. But what about seasonings? Um, and I'll just really quickly give the recommendation I give clients: if you are really unwell, if you have a lot of joint pain, if you have autoimmunity, if you have gut issues, I actually do recommend just going to salt only for, I'd say, a good two years of my life. Uh, when I was carnivore, I did not eat anything but salt. Now I've changed and I've used more because we can tolerate it. So if it depends on your situation. If you're doing this just for weight loss, you may um, be able to keep in the seasoning.
1: So I am able to incorporate seasonings, but a lot of seasoning blends have things like MSG in them um, and have other ingredients that tend to cause me to swell and have issues. My main reason for being carnivore is weight loss. And so, um, you know, I use some, a lot of seasonings that that as long as they're almost like single ingredient seasonings and not a blend of something, then I don't typically have an issue with it. Um, but like you said, those are things that until you've gone a time without, you really don't know what you can incorporate to add back in. Um, But I think we both agree as far as seed oils go, any kind of canola oil or vegetable oil or corn oil, um, whatever the other ones, like the grapeseed oils and the soy oils, all of those things can be issues. So, you know, if you're going to a restaurant and they're frying their chicken wings in soy oil, which is the majority of restaurants out there, then that can be causing you an issue that you don't even know about. So eating out is a little harder. And that is a different episode where we've talked about that in the past. You can kind of go back and listen, but Um, I would long-term focus on removing things like seed oils from your diet. Um, So cooking at home, cooking with things like tallow and ghee and butter. I mean, we really just use butter mostly in our house. I think sometimes it's, we, we use, we do use a little olive oil occasionally. Um, but that's about, as you know, that's kind of been something that we've experimented with over time. Um, but things like ghee and tallow and, uh, bacon grease actually. So if I yep. want to cook something, I'll like save the extra bacon grease and I'll rub my chicken in bacon grease and then we'll grill chicken so it doesn't stick to the grill. And now I've used bacon grease for that. And it actually, it obviously adds a lot of flavor to it. Right. Um, so that would be, those are much better places to start lots of butter.
0: Yeah, I think that's all good. And um, even with olive oil, I do recommend sometimes my clients get that over time. Um, there's olive oil can be kind of tricky because there are a lot of brands that they use other seed oils and they just yeah. blend them and they don't tell you. But avocado oil does that too. I mean, a recent study from UC Davis showed that 82% of avocado oil is cut with other seed oils. So Um, that's why I think it's safer to just stick to animal based fats. Um, but if you, you know, need the olive oil for now, I mean, it it might be a bridge, but just know that there might be a little slower healing if that olive oil happens
1: to just use, um, you know, a seed oil too. Yeah. Just know where you're sourcing that from. Um, One of the questions I think people get confused on a lot is like, when should they be eating? Um, How many meals a day? What do I eat for snacks? Like those are all kind of things that people eat. Um, So from a, you know, part of this elevator pitch or a brand new client and somebody starting carnivore and they're telling you like, how, how many times a day should I be eating? What is your suggestion to them from your perspective?
0: I recommend between two to three meals. Um, I I think now I'd say three and only because I'm assuming that they might have a little bit of blood sugar dysregulation, Um, especially if they have not been eating keto, it might be difficult. So if you're asking someone that eats like two to 300 grams of carbohydrates a day to go meat based, uh, that will be a very difficult transition. And if you eat more times, your insulin will go up, your blood sugar will go up. And so you won't feel those hanger effects as much so depending on the person i would suggest three meals if they can tolerate it and then you know eat till they feel full and then and then not eat and try not to snack i think the biggest rule would be actually just not snacking and then um as they continue to eat this way most people don't like to eat three meals because they're pretty full and so yeah. i actually recommend long term two meals a day is ideal maybe you have a snack occasionally just to snack with the family or something but I don't generally like OMAD just because there's a high risk of under eating and also you are putting a lot of weight on your digestive process to ensure that one, your digestive system's working well, you have enough enzymes to digest your meats and then absorb them and you give them one chance to do that rather than if you eat two meals and possibly eat a variety of other meats, then you are giving your body two different chances.
1: Yeah. And OMAD stands for one meal a day, um, which is one of those lingos that a lot of people tend to use. I think long-term, most carnivores that I've seen um, end up somewhere around two meals a day. Uh, I I don't know. I really don't know too many people who eat three meals a day long-term. I think it's important to do that in the beginning, like you said, and rather than to try to incorporate snacking and, you know, feel free to have those, um, those meals in the very beginning, if it's you're stressed out at two in the afternoon and you're used to grabbing that ice cream and you grab some bacon instead, like no big deal. But as your appetite adjusts over time, you definitely want to incorporate that. Um, we, we have done a pretty extensive podcast on fasting in general that I am a huge believer in. And I think is a really important thing once you've been doing this for a while. So once you're several weeks in, um, that is an important part of it for myself. And my family, my husband, who our biggest goal has been weight loss and blood sugar regulation, like reversing type two diabetes. Fasting has been a major part of that. Right. Um, I came from a very heavy standard American diet where I was eating pizza and ice cream at one sitting. And so I did really well actually eating one meal a day for the first year because I could eat a lot of food in one sitting. And I was used to getting up from the table after having three plates of spaghetti and four pieces of garlic bread, and then going and eating a couple of chocolate chip cookies. Like I was used to feeling that full after all my meals. And so eating two to three small meals a day, smaller was hard for me. And so- I really felt better when I could eat a very large volume of food at once. Over time, I couldn't eat enough in one sitting anymore. And so I was continuing to do one meal a day, but I was under eating. And I do find that especially with women, you know, my husband long term has been happy doing one meal a day. He gets all the calories that he needs in for the day. Mm-hmm. After about a year or so, I realized I had to go to two meals a day because I was um, I under eating you know, in the beginning, if I had done two meals a day, I would have way been overeating because I would eat that larger volume of food and I could just eat two giant meals like that twice. And so kind of know where are you coming from? How much can you really eat in one sitting? You'll notice this whole episode, we haven't been talking about like the number of calories that you should be having. Um, because I think that varies so much, but, and I don't think that a big part of this diet is to sit down and track your calories and your macros, you really should be focusing more on like what you're eating, those single ingredient meats, chicken, pork, beef, eggs. You know, those are things that should be more of a focus. And then you don't have to worry about tracking macros. Um, I think being aware that you're eating an adequate enough amount of calories is important. So, you know, at the end of the day, add up how much you ate for the day. And if it's 800 calories, if it's 1100 calories, You likely didn't eat enough that day and you might want to make some adjustments to the content of what you're doing tomorrow. Add an extra meal. Um, Don't eat the burger patties because those are leaner. Try to add some extra fat to things. Do four egg yolks and two whites instead of four regular eggs. You know, like find ways to increase the fats and not necessarily gorge yourself um, because you do want to make sure that over time, even if weight loss is your goal, under eating is not going to get you there.
0: Yeah. One thing I'll say about that is um, we need fat as an energy source. And I know that there's a lot of people in the space that says, if you have fat on your body, you should just let your body tap into its own fat in my clients. And just from the research, it's very difficult to just do that. I think you can do it for weight loss. Absolutely. But you need an energy source. And we have subsisted on glucose or sugars and the conversion of our carbohydrates to sugars in the body. And when you remove that, you need an energy source. And the energy source is ketones and fatty acids. And so it's the fats. And ideally, you want to eat fattier cuts because if you just eat protein, your body has to break down that protein and there's a burning of energy within the body. And it's just not a normal fuel source. Your body can break it down for gluconeogenesis as needed. But it is not the ideal f- fuel source. That's why the standard American diet with a lot of fat and a lot of carbs gets people overweight because it's an excess of energy sources. If we are doing yeah. a meat only diet, you want to fuel yourself with enough nourishment of energy from fat. And then as you get assimilated, your blood sugar gets regulated, you can dial down the fat. And then you could do days of just leaner proteins, but you don't want to start with undereating. You don't want to start with too little fat because you will set yourself up to maybe one lose weight really quickly, but not be sustainable, mess with your thyroid and your metabolism, which then will cause you to lose weight, feel cold all the time, feel unwell. And then you'll say that this diet didn't work and then you'll leave. And so if we know that this diet is super, super healing on all accounts, whether it's weight loss, mental health disease, just know that you have to do it. the long and slow way to get true healing. And then you could dial things.
1: Yeah. We have an episode. Um, we did a couple back from this one that just talks about the difference of like, you know, what's the, what's the goal of being healthy versus being thin and, um, really dives into that, which would be a great one if that's something that you're looking for. Yeah. Um, I think there's a couple more things that we want to address. So part of it is the who, like, who do we think would be a good person to be on a carnivore diet? And then also, I think we want to get into like, who are my resources and who, who can, uh, who can I turn to for information about this? And I would love to kind of share some names of things, people that I referenced when I started, but who do you think, Judy, is somebody who would benefit from a carnivore diet? I really think everyone can.
0: Um it's as we mentioned in my elevator pitch, um I would not advocate for this diet if I thought oh it's only for certain people. I really think that maybe not everyone needs to do it forever, but a meat-centric, meat-based diet is ideal for everybody because again it has the most nutrient-dense uh meats and they're bioavailable and then you could just kind of go from there. So I do think it's for everyone. Um and if especially if you've been malnourished your whole life, it's a way to get healing. Um, it's whether you're one years old or you're 80 years old, I think this diet is the natural way that humans were meant to eat. And uh, a lot of what is marketed nowadays is just false. Uh, we have always had meat as a big part of our way of eating. And I think we're just kind of going back to that and it's very healing and just give it a month and eat adequately and you'll start seeing some benefits and then you'll realize what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, there's so many stories, varying stories of people who um, had eating disorders who needed to kind of regulate that and gain weight. Lots of weight loss recovery stories. Lots of inflammation. Um, my mom's in her six, late sixties and she does, has done really well eating this way. And uh, my husband and there's just there's so many stories out there. Go out and search the hashtags and and look around for um, for for these people stories. There's just so many variety of people. It's not just um, a one type of person that can heal this way. I also will say really briefly, because we've talked about this uh, in other places, but both Judy and I kind of feel when it comes to our kids, they do eat meat. We focus on no snacks, three meals a day, heavy protein, lots of good fats for them because they are brains need to grow and develop. But we also are not obsessive about it being strict carnivore. They do eat some I mean, my, my both of our younger so, uh, sons don't like vegetables at all, so they don't eat yeah. them. But my older <laughs> daughter I, and uh, enjoys some vegetables, and so she eats those occasionally. But um, I think both of us try to focus on no sugar. But if they were to have some sometime, we just kind of don't uh, – we make sure to reduce it then after that. So right. kids don't have a lifetime of metabolic damage to reverse. Yes. They don't have these major autoimmune issues. They weren't 100 pounds overweight. So if you have a normal, healthy child, we both approach this with the perspective of they don't need to be strict all the time. There's different ways of doing it with your kids. And we've done it in bigger episodes on what they eat and what that looks like for them. But um, because they don't have all these major health issues, we aren't necessarily as extreme with them as I am with myself.
0: Yeah. I mean, we just have to realize that they are living in a world where sugar is used for everything in celebrations and sadness. And so just allowing them to live in real life and not have an eating disorder, not having the desire to, when I leave home, I am going to binge off of sugar that mom did not allow me to eat. Like I think that's silly. And so coming from a background of eating disorder and a very a severe one, I am very mindful of that. So You know, if you understand the way that the body functions, it's probably better that you have fruit or you have a dessert at the end of the meal. I think that's why it's intentionally made that way. When you have enough protein and fats in your system, it will slow the glucose and fructose absorption in the liver and it won't be as big of an impact. There's like little nuances that you can do. Um, I have my kids eat some of that carbs at the very end. And we did that during Thanksgiving. And so with kids, it's just if they're meat centric, that's the biggest win. And when they're meat centric, yeah. they're just going to eat less carbs. And that's just the reality of that. And and then I wouldn't worry too much about that they have to be zero carb or meat only. I, I don't think they have to.
1: Yeah. I think to look at yourself as a person and know how unhealthy are you and the more unhealthy you are, the more overweight you are, the more strict you might have to go uh, right. to, to heal some of the things. If you spent 20 years, hundred pounds overweight, then you're going to have to be strict for a longer period of time to heal. And if you have a very serious health issue, you're going to have to be more extreme. If you're somebody who just is you know, more moderately healthy and looking to lose a little weight and just feel overall better and have long life, you're not going to have to be as strict and extreme as somebody else is. So I think those are all things to to look at for yourself. Um, okay, so who are some resources that people can look up uh, some good information on um, about carnivore? I mean, I'll be biased, but I think my book really goes into
0: nuances with like, what about fiber, vitamin C, um, antioxidants? And so it talks a lot about that. There's an elimination diet protocol if you want to start that, especially if you have an autoimmune imbalance. And then there's a lot of books that have recipes. I think the Emmerichs have a carnivore book. I think they do add plants, though, in their recipes, if I'm not mistaken. But I know there's a lot of influencers out there that share you know, mock versions of foods with recipes. I don't know really where I stand with it I think long term, it's fine if you do those things, because you may miss bread. But I think in the beginning, we should be celebrating the meat that we're eating and not trying to make like keto versions of cupcakes and breads. I think we just say no, we're eating meat. And we celebrate that yeah. instead of Oh, I feel bad for myself, I'm going to make a bread sandwich made up with
1: eggs. Um what I think you don't have to be looking necessarily for carnivore content. I learned a lot of really great concepts from somebody like Ted Naiman. Um I Really understood finally the mental side of what I was going through by listening to Dr. Silas. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just starting to share about food addiction. You know, three years ago when I was learning about all this, and I think that was a really big light bulb moment for me and helped me dive in. Dr. Joan Ifland also talks about food addiction, um, processed food addiction. Like those were really big light bulb moments for me that started helping me heal. So you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be carnivore. Yes. I learned so much about fasting from Dr. Jason Fung. You know, following his books and it was really what helped my mom and my husband and I all re- reverse our diabetes and prediabetes and so um I don't, you know, there for a carnivore reference, I think it's it's taking all of these different pieces of yeah. information and I think you know Dr. Ken Berry was this keto carnivore, there's a hybrid of things in between that, that he can reference but All of those people can, you can take little pieces of everything. I think what Judy and I always say is, you know, you shouldn't be taking everything that I'm doing and doing exactly like it that I am and expecting to have the same results or even necessarily thinking my results are great. Every one of your clients, my guess is Judy, has a slightly different protocol that they follow or in a slightly different needs for them. And everything is so personal that I really do think that absorbing so much content is important. And then you have to be able to take pieces of what everybody's doing, because I mean, there's, there's definitely some wackadoo advice out there, but there's so many good pieces of things that can be taken um, from what's shared that, that you can kind of put together to make your own puzzle of what works for you.
0: Yeah. I mean, putting my practitioner hat on, I think that if you, we're all human at the, at the end of the day, and we will change our opinions over time. So if you're watching something from me or somebody else from three years ago, that content may not be what we view today. And so very true. I I really think that um, there are, there are so many people to learn from and every person I've ever interviewed, I respect them so much, but there are nuances that I can bring up in all the different people that I'm like, Oh, I don't disagree with them with this one thing. So that's where I really think you have to take what you can learn from and benefit from, you can always try their recommendations, but if it doesn't work for you instead of trying harder, that maybe it's just not the solution for you and that's okay. And uh, with that, I think um, Dr. Eric Westman, he wrote the Keto Clarity book with Jimmy Moore, and he's a that book really changed the trajectory of how I viewed food and nutrition. Yeah. I think that's a great book, but he, Dr. Westman has little clips on YouTube that talks through keto and just eating more meat focused. Um, I know that he's not a fan of adding a lot of fat. And that's where I disagree a little bit, at least in the beginning. But, you know, we're working with clients. And when you need that motivation, where you're having a hard day, maybe it's not the day that you're listening to eat meat only, eat meat only, but maybe you have to watch a motivational talk and that's what you need at that time. And so figuring out the resources that you need at that time and then figure out what works for you. Um, But I think what's important in this puzzle is also your own community. Um, I think where Mm -hmm. if you are doing a meat only diet on an island and the only support you're going to realistically get is through social media, then I think joining carnivore groups you don't want to feel like you're an alien with three eyes um, in your real life and then people say you're crazy you're crazy because then eventually when you have a hard day you're going to say I am crazy so I might as well eat the ice cream because I need a little bit of carbohydrates if you have the community that helps you and lifts you up when you're struggling that's such a beautiful thing and I highly recommend people getting that You're going to have to figure out what community group you want to join. Um, There are people that are uplifters, and then there's people that are complainers. When you are struggling, you don't want to be around the complainers. And then even with your friends. If you have a friend that is a best friend that when you're sad, you go to that person. But if that person's like, it's okay, let's go eat some ice cream because we're sad, and that's kind of your go-to with that friend, um, you may not want to reach out to your friend when you're struggling. And this is just
1: temporary. Yeah, absolutely. We have to be around people who are going to encourage you and, and not tell you like, let's go have margaritas and tacos. And you know, we, you, you have, um, goals that you're trying to hit and things that you want to try to improve in your life. And, um, hopefully this time of year makes it easier for people to be supportive of that. Um, I will say, you know, when you're looking at like, how do I get started? It is, it is an American nature or an instinct to buy things, to be successful. And we want to, I'm going to start a diet January 1st. Everybody's trying to sell you something right now. And I agree with Judy. There's a lot of great groups, group coaching. Some of those are free. Some of those people charge for, And I'm not, but if you're trying to like fill an Amazon cart with things that are going to make you successful on a carnivore diet, like that's not the way, right. You don't need to, I'm telling you, do you know, on, um, right around this time of year or right after Christmas is when QVC starts doing all of the exercise equipment is on clear or on sale. All of right now is when Jenny Craig is going to start offering things. South beach diet, people are going to be coming after you like, because people think that if I buy something that will make me successful and they want to purchase the shakes, they want to buy the containers. They want to buy the meal plans. I need Nutrisystem. I'm going to have this delivery. And like, I'm buying all these, Things and that's going to make me successful this time. And really, to do a carnivore diet, you don't have to buy anything. Now, there are things like a book or information that you can do that will be helpful, or maybe it's a community support group. However, you don't have to buy anything. You actually just need to cut things out of your diet. You need to buy meat that you would normally get at the grocery store and cut out everything else. You need to cut out a lot of other stuff that you were doing you don't actually need to purchase anything new. Um, and so as we get, even when, when I first started keto, I went onto Amazon and I went to like the whole foods and I bought all the specialty ingredients that they say you need to make all the keto recipes. And I bought all the sweeteners and I bought all this expensive stuff. Like there's no investment financially to do a carnivore diet, none. And if you can't afford to buy a book, There's so much free content out there. Like Judy has this incredible book you can buy. But my guess is if you went through and watched all her free content, you would probably get a lot of that information, especially to get you started. There's so much free content out there. That you actually don't have to invest anything financially. You just need to invest your time, your focus, your energy, your willpower, like your mental fortitude, like all of those things are really all that you need to bring to the table. And so this is an amazing thing. What I'll say with working with
0: so many people is that I think people want to pay for improvements and they want to pay yes. for things that will make their lives better. But the key to better is doing the actual work. So it's not yeah. the, the, The bells and whistles; those things can be good and help you help you to eat this way longer. Maybe getting a good grill; those types of things are really good. Like my air fryer, I bought it while I was meat based, and it's—I know (laughs) you're probably rolling your (laughs) eyes—but for me, it's super convenient, and it makes my uh, way this way of eating so much easier for me. But I, I get that some we need some of the tools, but essentially, the the wake up call for everyone is. Every year at December or something, we're like, okay, you know what? It's because we didn't have the right sports gear. If we want to get in shape, we need to buy the right clothes to go to the gym and be like, I am going to change. But the thing is, it's not the stuff we buy, the programs, the it's the, it's doing the actual work, doing the boring day to day. I'm going to eat meat only. I'm going to have three square meals. I'm going to focus on positive things. I'm going to just get my life out of this rut or the way it's been going. And I'm going to make change. And the way you make change, there is no secret sauce. It is just doing the work. And I, yeah, I'm telling you guys, there's no secret thing you could buy that will change your life. It's, it's you and yeah. you have the the secret and the secret sauce in your hands it's just doing it every day
1: yeah judy and i had thanksgiving together and she learned i always i always say this and i don't think you believe me until you ate our our chris and i's grilling but if you think this way of eating is boring it's because you don't know how to cook a good steak and so judy ate this meal and she was like I i don't even remember exactly what you said but you were just like oh my god no wonder you guys cook like this every day that's the only way i've been able to sustain this if i ate i mean listen I am so glad it works for Judy. And you have to know yourself. If I had to eat Judy's cooking every day, I couldn't <laughs> be like this. Because I have to eat some, you know, I had to learn how to cook a better steak right. and I had to be able to adjust to that. And I had to be able to mix it up. And it, you don't need fancy grills for that even, you know, or I have to like, you know, learn different ways to eat meat um, to, to make that possible for me. So you kind of just have to know if this is getting boring for you, you know, make some adjustments in the types of meat that you're eating, the way that you're cooking it, how you're cooking it, learn a lot. I used to be a baker and I would bake tons of stuff and make casseroles and recipes and spend hours like looking up these like fancy new ways to make cookies and kind of really cool things. And now I've taken that passion and really put it into like cooking meat and grilling and learning ways to take cheap cuts of meat and make them taste delicious. And how can I learn how to cook a perfect steak and understanding temperatures and Anyway, that's a side note, but I agree. It is about doing the work. You can't just, there's nobody that's, you know, if your only way to be successful is to have your food delivered and then you microwave it, like we've all been through that. We've tried that before and you might lose weight from it and you're going to be successful, but you can't sustain that lifestyle forever. And finding a way to make a meat-based diet work for you is much more sustainable long-term than having your meals delivered, frozen meals delivered from Jenny Craig. Because the minute you go off of those, like I have done a thousand times before you gain all your weight back. And like, you know, the fact that I haven't gained all my weight back, (laughs) Is already shows me like how much better this is and how much more healthy this is for me long term.
0: Yeah, I I will. I will say that your the way you guys cook and the way you guys make food. I I think I could make Kevin turn meat based because (laughs) it's really good. And we eat out a lot. And um, through all my years of traveling, I've just tried a lot of different restaurants. And your food is just really good. And so some people may need that. And I think, I mean, that's a it it was just very tasty. But I mean, just from our healing, we know, right. So a meat based diet for me has healed my mental health issues with anxiety and depression and just having hard times getting out of the bed and just low mood. And then it's also helped with my eating disorder. So I do not, I don't use any behaviors now. And I used to use them all the time, multiple times a day. And then for Laura, she's been able to be consistent, right? Not these ups and downs and also just working on harder things about the self and focusing on is it what does it mean to just be thin and is that our own only passion and things like that. So there's been a lot of healing just between us two. And I really am excited for other people to get there, but they just have to be committed. And it might mean to get some gadgets so that you can get that level of cooking and flavor, or it could just be that you don't really care about all of that. And you just need to eat meat and just be consistent about it. But the key in all of my story or your story is that we're consistent, whether I'm eating my boring air fried steaks, or you're eating your grilled meats, we are being consistent with the meat. And that is the takeaway. You don't need to buy anything. You can buy some fancy girls. You're right. I mean, it does make a huge difference in flavors for sure. But You just need to be consistent and do what makes that consistency happen in your life. And I think the habitudes are the most important thing. I think the last thing we just want to touch upon is just why are we doing this? So, you know, this can be a very long conversation. We have podcasts in the past that talk about our whys, but you
1: have to figure out why you're doing this. And I think that can change over time. I mean, I'll admit my reason of why I wanted to do this in the first place was I need to lose weight. I am... Uh, I want to be skinny. And, you know, that's had to adjust over time. So there just, there has to be a reason why you're going to say no to temptations and to food. And you have to be able to remind yourself of that and doing little things like writing it down um, and taking note of that does help keep you on track. Put a picture on the fridge, put some reminders in different places, um, because I wish I could have said from the very beginning, I just want to be healthy so I can be a Good mom for my kids for the rest of my life, and and selfishly that wasn't it. It was I want to be skinny, and that has definitely changed over the years for me to be able to sustain this. But it's carnivore that's helped bring out those other reasons of, and of why I'm able to stick with it. Hopefully, this was a, a great beginner's guide. You know, unlike other ways of eating, maybe or other things, you're not getting a meal plan or a list of macros or an exact um, way that you're supposed to approach this. There's no tracking involved sometimes it sounds so simple that it's actually overwhelming. And so right. I hope you realize that it really can be that simple to begin with. There's not a ton of rules other than like eat the meat that you love and eat when you're hungry at first. And then over time, make those adjustments. The longer that you're doing this, that's where you can start making hacks, listen to other podcasts and people, but more than anything, you just have to get started and getting started uh, is really so much about is can can be very simple and it doesn't have to be complicated at all. And um, you're going to find what works for you over time. Yeah.
0: Be excited, but have the tools and steps in place to make you committed and to keep going each day because everyone starts a lot of things on January 1st, really excited. And then within two weeks, that excitement dwindles. And so when you're actually doing the hard work, it is hard work and that's why it's called hard, but if you keep going, you will reap the benefits of this way of eating and they are so powerful. And I I just say, if you listen to my story and Laura's journey, we have such powerful healing just between us that I just hope that we can all get there. And then once we get there, we can share with our community members. And that is how we bring salt and flavor and light in this world that's filled with a lot of darkness. And that is why we are here.
1: Yeah. And when everybody else has started their diet on January 1st and eating salads and drinking shakes and, you know, eating rabbit food all the time and you're eating bacon and eggs and steaks and that's your new lifestyle. Great. They're going to be jealous of what you get to do while they're all miserable trying to stick to some frozen Nutrisystem microwavable meal. (laughs) So then you can, then you'll see who lasts the longest, who has the best
0: results. Yeah. Celebrate it guys. It's exciting times. Yeah. Cool. Thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.